the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Our second gospel reading comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And you can find it on page 983 of your Pew Bible. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you both so much for bringing us God's word. I'm looking up here and seeing the candles. I must be getting... um, um, what is the word? Uh, obsessive compulsive. I think I know why that's not lit. But I can't help but get excited when I um, hear the scripture. I don't know if you've had a chance yet to um, to be able to uh, dip into this first chapter of John. We've been kind of talking about it together, right? Do you remember last week as we began kind of uh, committing his word to memory, uh, we we learned the first verse. Do you remember it? Help me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Great job, you guys. And then verse two, he was in the beginning with God. We were chuckling as we as we saw our additional verse for today uh, of um, of John one verse 3, because I think Yoda wrote it. Um, and it, it. The word order for us is awkward. It seems awkward to us in English, but, but there's a very particular reason why John said it exactly as he said it. Do you have it in front of you by any chance? 
It's, it's printed in the bulletin for you as well. Here's verse 3. We're adding this this week now to our, to our memory work. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Right, would you try that with me? All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. It helps me to kind of emphasize different words. It starts to make a little bit more sense. But that's our third verse. We're, we're, we're working our way by, by, um, by the new year. We're hoping to have verses 1 through 14 um, memorized, hidden in our hearts so that it might bear much fruit. And as, as um, uh, Tom was reading those verses, I found myself getting really excited. Um, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about in him was life. And, and, and on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk together about uh, in him was light and how Jesus took this imagery of light and, and helped us understand himself better as a result of that. And then, and then the week after Christmas, we're going we're gonna to behold his glory together. We're going we're gonna to add our voices to the voices of the witnesses of those first disciples but today is a very special day too. Now I'm I'm a little uh, a little torn because um, I'm mindful that for some of us the the powerful truth that we're experiencing today is is old hat to us. And, in other words, we cut our teeth on it and we're used to it. And, and so I was thinking, how do I communicate? How do I communicate this in a way that would give you the same feeling that those first disciples felt when they read John's words? And, and, and this is going to sound blasphemous. Please don't go that way with me. But, but if, if I were to say to you that I created the world, right, uh, you would think that I'm having one of those front of the Titanic moments. I'm king of the world moments, right? Uh, and I'm thinking much too highly of myself. Uh, and, and you would be right. Because I didn't create the world. But as much as it shocked your system when I said that, you have to imagine that someone who had walked among them, who had talked with them, yes, he did amazing miracles, but, but for, for someone who they'd actually been with to find out from John now that that person was there in the beginning, that that person not only was with God, a distinct personality from God, but that person was indeed God and he was the instrument of creation. You're starting to feel some of the impact that those first disciples have felt. And you're starting to feel some of the obstacles that your people that you are praying for, people that you're sharing the gospel with, obstacles that they have to overcome. Right? Muslims, that's hard for them to, uh, to, uh, to grasp that, that Jesus was the instrument of creation. Uh, even, even in some, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, cult just simply means a worship, but, but there are some false teachings in, uh, in our world today that, uh, that they would stumble over this. Famous people have stumbled over this truth that God is entrusting to you Today, So I just invite you for a few moments, open your minds, open your hearts, hear the word of God and ask yourself, what will it mean for me if I believe this word to be true? Ask yourself that question. 
Let me just back up for a second and say, what, let's remember some of the things that we learned last week. I, I, I introduced our whole series by saying there's four essential truths about Jesus that we're going to focus on. We did the first one last week, that he was the incarnate word of God, right? That he is the incarnate word of God. As, as some of us were talking about in Sunday school classes this morning, that meant not just spoken word, but the word in the original language meant both word and deed. In other words, everything he said and everything he did was the very will of God. Was the very And Jesus actually emphasizes, he says, I don't do anything apart from my Father's will. So when you, look at, when you listen to Jesus' words, you're hearing the very will of God. When you see what Jesus did, how He responded in different situations, you are, you are experiencing the very will of God. And we learned that this Word of God, this Logos of God, was pre-existent. In other words, before anything was created, Jesus was. That's, that's quite a contrast to some, some of the heresies that are out there. Even now, Jesus pre-existed creation. And as we saw, He was distinct. The Word was distinct, yet one with God. And then we discovered as well that the Word was God. And that that word became flesh. And we saw last week, that's the moment everybody realized who we're talking about. He's talking about this, 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 this concept called the word. And all of a sudden he says, you know this word. This word became flesh and walked among you. This word was Jesus. Where we're going today is that we're going to look at this aspect that he is the incarnate creator. Next week we're going to, we're going to focus on that he is the incarnate life. And Christmas Eve, we're going to focus on the incarnate light. But can we camp today for just a couple minutes on this, this astounding truth that the Creator is the Christ. The Creator is the Christ. John 1.3 said, All things were made through Him. That's the Creator part, right? And without Him was not anything made that has been made. Jesus Christ was the element of God, the instrument of God in creation. That means, by the way, and we were reflecting on this in our class, that all three members of the Trinity are there in Genesis 1. Right? We knew God the Father was there. We knew that He was there. We're used to that. Not a problem. In the beginning, God was there, right? Then at one point in our lives, we discovered that there, before creation, there was the spirit that was brooding over the waters. Remember that? Right? The spirit was also there. And then in the New Testament, we've discovered that, that God exists in three persons forever, past, forever, future, in three persons. We're saying, well, where is Jesus in, in Genesis? And what we learn through John now, he intentionally uses the same exact language as Genesis, what we learned from John was that, that this one who was in the beginning was not merely standing by. He was, in fact, the creative force of God. His word, God spoke and it happened. He said, let there be light and there was light. And John is saying that this creative force is the word of God. This creative force is the word become flesh. This creative force is Jesus and the notion that Christ was 
the creative person of the Trinity was a part of the church's earliest assertions, its earliest confessions of him. And it's contained in at least three. I found a fourth uh, just yesterday evening. Four places in Scripture where it speaks of this aspect. We've got this one right here in John 1. But in Colossians, as Kristen read for us, we, um, we learn as well that he is the creative force. I'm going to go back one verse more than she did. But he said, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. So Paul has added his voice. In that first century, Paul has added his voice to John to say that, he actually said it before John said it, that Jesus is the creator, right? All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, and for him. Would you say that phrase with me? All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And one more witness from Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, But in these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And then the author of Hebrews. We don't know who that was. The author of the book of Hebrews says, and through whom he made the universe. So this is not this is not something I'm trying to foist upon you here at the last, like I tried to foist upon you that I created the world. Um, this, this testimony has been there from the very beginning, from the very beginning. The creator is the Christ. But but secondly, we learn from this passage today that the creation has a purpose. The creation has a purpose as well. Did you hear that in the Colossians um, uh, one sixteen passage? All things were created by Him. Did you remember the second part? And for Him, right? There is a purpose in creation. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that our purpose is to exist for Him. No, no, again, if you're not used to thinking of Jesus as uh, the sovereign God, then you could say, that. how arrogant is that? Does that sound? That he created everything and he created it for himself. And if, in fact, he was not worthy of that assertion, then it would be the, the greatest of blasphemies, right? But if he is worthy, if indeed he is God, and he does love us and is full, as, as John says, of grace and truth. And it makes all the sense in the world. We exist for the one who created us. All things were created for a purpose. Really, all things were created for a person. Him. Him. I follow the logic of that just for a moment. You are a part of God's creation. Do you remember the impact uh, last week when we, when we, with Mary, tried to grasp some of the things that, that, that you are highly favored? Do you remember that? And, and it kind of rocked our brains and we said, really? You know, uh, um, uh, God is with us and, and we're highly favored. This is one of those kinds of things. You 
are a part of God's creation. I'm going to take another step. Really, you are the pinnacle, the pinnacle of God's creation. Why am I saying that? Um, aren't, aren't, aren't people just like grass and animals and other things? No, not in Scripture. Humanity is the pinnacle of God's creation. Why? Because we're the only part that was created in His image. In His image. In His likeness. So what John is trying to communicate to you and to me is that, that you are created for a purpose. Now immediately a lot of our minds, because we, especially those of us who, who are really practical and say, well, tell me what to do. Uh, we immediately, our minds take us to that place and say, well, well, what is that purpose? Our purpose is to serve Him. Therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach Sunday school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, stop by that person on the side of the road and, and buy them. And we think, and, and you're absolutely right, you are serving Jesus when you do those things, but our minds often focus on the one aspect of serving. But, but John's going a slightly different direction here. John is saying the primary purpose of existing for him is that you would know him. Know him. And don't go to that intellectual ascent thing. We've talked about that extensively. To know him is, in in biblical language, to experience him. Your purpose is to experience God and the test And that day when he, as our worship team led us, when he comes for us, the test is have we experienced him and has he experienced us? And some of you, maybe that's what you needed to hear today. Because you live in a culture that says it's okay just to give intellectual assent. You live in a culture where it's, it's, it's okay just to do a couple of things, to make some small sacrifices, to put yourself out of your way a little bit, and somehow that will be enough. And, and God says, I don't, I don't need your sacrifices. I want you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to be in relationship with you. It's not enough, John, to just to just give intellectual assent to, yeah, I'd like to be married to Amelia. No, God's design for you is that you would experience one another physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's God's design for you. And that's what, God, what Jesus wants to experience of us as well. To, to know Him and to be known by Him, to love Him and to be loved by Him. That's... God's purpose for your life. Here's our next thought. Jesus didn't just create the world and say, I hope this all works out. The Creator is still at work. Right? Do you remember? As He walked among us, He said, my Father is at work and so am I. Right? Uh, the Creator is still at work. Colossians put it this way, in Him all things hold together. The, the image here, and push back if you want here, but the image that I understand here is that God is holding this thing together. He's holding this universe together. Jesus is holding this universe together. As we, as we lamented the loss of our precious friend Lois, and, 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 and I'm thinking, oh, you know, gosh, I wish I would have been there. I, I wish I could have done something. I wish I could have, uh, maybe, maybe I could have been there at right, just the right moment and prolonged 
do you understand how ridiculous that thing? God held Lois together. And He did a pretty good job of it. Amen? He did a good job of it. But in His perfect timing, He said, now is the time, Lois. And He let this physical body, this perishable body, which has to, has to be let go of, for her to inherit eternal life, she can't take that body with her. I know Lois well enough to say she's pretty glad to let it go, right? Um, to inherit the imperishable, you have to let the perishable go. And but God is holding that together, so there's no guilt here. There's no there's no regret. There's no oh, if I'd only done that differently, maybe maybe she would have had another two days or something. You see, God is perfect. Uh, Last time we looked at this John 1 passage together, we, we, we thought about Psalm 139. And, and all the days ordained for me were set apart before one of them came to be. Jesus is holding this creation together. If he doesn't say breathe, I don't breathe. If he doesn't say live, I don't live. Do you see? He's holding it together. And in his perfect timing, He's going to bring this creation to consummation. And we're going to, we're going to get to see what Lois is experiencing right now. I, I know it's arrogant of me to say that, but, but she just professed Jesus Christ. She lived Jesus Christ. She loved in Jesus' name. I can say with confidence that, that she couldn't do those things unless the Holy Spirit allowed her to do that. Lois is experiencing that right now. So the Creator is still at work. But here's the other reality. One day, the Creator is going to come for you. Right? Jesus said, I go to be with my Father, right? And if I go, then one day I will come back to take you so that you can be where I am, John 14. Right? One day, the Creator is coming. Again, He came once. He entrusted to us this precious purpose. And then he went to the Father's side and was reunited with the one from eternity past with which he'd had fellowship. And he cried out for you. And he listened for the Father's divine voice to say, now. And one day, the now of God is going to happen and he's going to come back for us. And we will go to be with Him. John 1, I skipped some verses, we're going to pick them up next week, but John 1 verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. Now you're beginning to understand. Beth, come on up if you would. I was giving her the secret signal and she was missing it. I'm going to do the ear thing next time. Tug it on the ear. Now you're beginning to understand the real meaning of Christmas. Now not from Mark's perspective or Luke's perspective or, 
or um, John, or, or excuse me, or Matthew's perspective. But now you're understanding the meaning of Christmas from John's perspective. The one who created you is coming for you. And, and my suspicion is that he will do it this time, just like he did it the last time, in the least threatening way. You don't have to fear the coming of Jesus. Do you remember how he came the first time? Not as a warrior on a horse, uh, um, swinging a sword of the Spirit. Uh, he came as a little child, a little child, the most non-threatening thing. Maybe he could have come as a puppy. Maybe that might have been less threatening. But he chose to come in the image of God as a little child so that you could know this truth. So that you could know the living God. Do you remember that, that Christmas carol? How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts through this word the blessings of His heaven. Our Savior is coming for us. So the question for us is how will we respond? What will you do? Because just like it's not enough to just have the Word, the deeds must back up the words. It's not enough, beloved, to, to give intellectual assent to the Christmas story, to say, yeah, that's a beautiful story. I, even can, I, can, even, I can even understand it and give intellectual assent to it. But, but in the Scripture, we were challenged to go deeper, right? We were challenged not just 
to give intellectual assent, but to receive the Christ. To let Him in. We said in our language from last week, to bear the Christ. To let Him know us. But Pastor Dave, you don't understand. There's parts of my life that that if I let Him in, He will reject me for it. No, He won't. No, He won't. There will come a time, there will come a day when, when Christ will judge us for our brokenness. This is not the day. This is not the time. This is the season, not of judgment, but of grace. This is the time where, where God says, I've got a gift for you. And gifts are starting to accumulate under our tree, but they have no impact if they sit there under the tree, right? They look really good. You can point to them. You can even take family pictures and show those pictures on the Internet. But if you never open that gift, it has no impact on your life. This is not the time of judgment. This is the time of gifts. This is the time of grace. This is the time where Jesus says, no, let me in. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You don't have to to, uh, look good. I'll take care of that in my own beautiful time. But I do need you. I do need you to let me in. Receive. Receive the Christ. Well, the immediate question I had when I saw that point was, what does that look like? What does it mean to receive? How do I do that? And he tells us in the next word, right? To all those who received him, to all those who believed in his name, to all those who put their weight down, who trust what he says to be true, his words and his deeds to all those who trust what he says to be true, he gives the right to become children of God. So receive this gift of grace. Put your weight down on it. Put your weight down on it. Lois had a favorite cane. Did you ever see it? I think, I'm not sure where it came from. Some South American country. Was it South America or Ecuador, Costa Rica, someplace? It was this beautiful little cane and she trusted that cane whenever she walked anywhere she put her weight on that cane she didn't consider it like a crutch she didn't consider it like oh i'm somehow weak because i need this cane she recognized that that was a gift of god to her to enable her to live and to walk god has given us jesus to put our weight down on so that we might truly live. We'll pick up that story next week. Let me just make one final challenge. Live. Live into what is already yours. This is your birthright. Jesus is your birthright. And don't be like Esau who sold that birthright for the temporary pleasures of this earth. Live into who you are and what God has done for you. And if you do that, if you're able to courageously do that, not only will, will I be blessed and we be blessed, but, but generations will be blessed as a result. Oh God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for this invitation that you have given us. To first receive both the truth, and John has been plastering us with truth, God, about who Jesus is. 
but also the grace, God, that, that we don't have to clean ourselves up. There's nothing we can do other than just open our hearts and receive the Christ. Thank you for that grace. Help us to put our weight down on that. Help us, Jesus, to entrust ourselves to you. God, I know, I know if we're able to do that, then we will experience you like never before. We'll move way beyond thanksgiving. We'll move way beyond even praise for who you are. We'll move into worship and adoration. Thank you, God. We adore you. We worship you.